Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Good morning, everyone. We're so thankful for the opportunity to be with you again today. Uh, This morning, we're going to continue our current series on the armor of God. So if you're taking notes, the title of today's message is simply Arming Yourself with Salvation. So let's begin by looking at our foundational scripture for this series one more time. It's Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start reading in verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It says, put on the full armor of God. I actually want to pause there for a moment, simply say this, that just remind everyone that just as God is the source of our salvation, just as God is the source of our daily strength, peace, and joy, just as God is the source of the grace that enables us to walk in our new nature, he is also the source of our spiritual armor is because of this truth that He is the source of all things that we must understand that if we're going to see the Scripture fulfilled in our lives, it will require us to live in His presence. Like if we want to see this actually come to pass our life, it depends on us having an active and engaging, healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's start off verse 11 again. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Then it says in verse 13, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And verse 16 it says, In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And here's our key verse for today. The first part, verse 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So as we prepare to dive into the first part of verse 17 today, I want to point out one thing. So often when we as believers hear the word salvation, we automatically think of forgiveness with the context of it being the the one thing that makes the difference if someone goes to heaven or hell for eternity. While that is uh, a 100% accurate statement, without a doubt, salvation through Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. I want to encourage all of us to remember that in this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul was writing to a group of believers known as the Church of Ephesus who were already saved, who were already forgiven, and on their way to heaven. So, with that said, may I suggest to you today that when Paul told us to take on the helmet of salvation, that maybe he had more in mind than just the traditional sense or the tr- traditional usage of the word that pertains to heaven or hell. If this is true, that there's more to this, we not only need to begin by asking what must have been in his mind when he was writing this, but more specifically, what is the purpose of the helmet of salvation that he is urging us to put on? 
Once again, in my opinion, if we're going to answer those questions, and more importantly, if we're going to be successful in putting on this particular piece of the armor, then we need to take a look once again at a Roman soldier's armor, in this case, a Roman soldier's helmet that they would have worn during this period of time of this writing. As I was studying the writings of historians and theologians as I was preparing this message, they said this, they said that a Roman soldier's helmet in its basic description was made of bronze and was equipped with the additional pieces of armor that were specifically designed to, you know, come down and protect the soldier's uh, cheeks and jaws. They also said due to the sheer weight of a soldier's helmet, the interior uh, helmet was lined with a sponge in order to soften the weight and the strain that the helmet would have had on the soldier's head. And something that was pretty cool, they said that this particular piece of armor was so strong that no weapon could pierce it, that not even a hammer or a battle axe. I want you to know, I just think that's pretty incredible. But on a broader sense, historians and theologians describe a Roman soldier's helmet as fascinating. They say it was very ornate, that it was very elaborate, intricate, magnificent. One could even use the word flamboyant because rather than it being some dull, plain piece of metal that was, you know, formed to fit the head uh, of any old soldier like it came off some assembly line. Each soldier's helmet was actually highly decorated with all kinds of unique and individualized engravings. It was said that oftentimes the entire helmet was even fashioned or shaped to look like the head of an animal, uh, you know, such as an elephant or a horse, for example. And if all that wasn't elaborate enough, each helmet also had this large mohawk looking thing made from brightly colored feathers or horsehair that stood straight out the top of their helmet. So as you can expect from this description, the helmet of a Roman soldier made them, we can say it made them noticeable. In fact, their helmets were so eye-catching that they actually stood out in a crowd. So when you sit back and you begin to think about it, it really shouldn't surprise us that when the Holy Spirit was leading Paul to write this, that he chose to use the flamboyant helmet of a Roman soldier to describe our salvation. Because to put it plainly, when a follower of Jesus begins to confidently walk in the powerful reality of all that salvation means, of all that salvation has provided for them, they are extremely noticeable even in the midst of a crowd. After all, does the Bible not tell us that we are set apart for God's divine purpose? Does it not say that we are truly the salt and the light of this world? And we all know that light shines its brightest in the midst of darkness. Therefore, we should be extremely noticeable, especially in the day and the age we are currently living in. Now, as great as all this is, if you are sitting there thinking, surely there has to be more to this piece of the Roman soldier's armor than just standing out in a crowd, I want you to know that you're right. Because in all reality, if a soldier went out to battle, even though he could have been dressed in all the rest of his armor, but if he failed to put his helmet on, he would have been choosing to leave his head completely exposed to the enemy. This clearly tells us the soldier's helmet was designed with more than just its appearance in mind. Rather, it was intended to save and to protect the man's head, to literally uh, designed to save and protect his mental faculties. 
Likewise, at least in my opinion, when we as believers fail to give ourselves to the studying of God's Word with the intention of learning all that salvation encompasses, when we fail to learn the fullness of salvation that reaches far beyond forgiveness, if we realize it or not, we are ultimately choosing to leave our head completely exposed to the attacks of the enemy. With that in mind, we need to remember how the enemy attacks us. We need to remember how he tries to constantly ambush us. The answer to these questions are really simple. He comes to attack our minds. The reason the enemy attacks our minds is because he knows it is the control center of our lives. He knows if he can gain control here in our thoughts, then he can begin to manipulate our emotions. If he is successful in manipulating our emotions, he can surely begin to manipulate our words and our actions. It is at this point in the fight we begin to resemble the sons of Ephraim that the psalmist wrote about in Psalms 78 verse 9. This is the Passion Translation. Listen to what it says. It says, take for example the sons of Ephraim. Or we could simply insert, take for example the sons and the daughters of God. It says, though they were all equipped warriors, each with weapons, when the battle began they retreated and ran away in fear. I want you to notice today that they didn't lose the, the battle physically. They lost it mentally. They lost it in their minds. Which what happened was, is when they lost in their mind, it actually released the emotion of fear into their hearts, which ultimately determined their physical action or their physical response, which was to run away from the enemy as fast as they could, rather than standing their ground in the fight and actually using the weapons that they possess. Can I be so bold to say possibly the number one reason why so many of us as followers of Christ fall short of the divine purpose? Can I even say that, that the number one reason why we're maybe derailed from the greatness God has intended for our lives is because we have made the grave mistake of underestimating and not preparing for the attacks and the ambushes of the enemy that are constantly taking place between our ears. You know, so often this is referred to as the battlefield of the mind. That is an accurate statement. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Many of us are not failing to reach our full potential because we lack some necessary commitment to Jesus. We're not failing because we lack a desire to fulfill those purposes. We're not even lacking the purity or lacking a love for God. We fail for no other reason than we don't know how to guard our minds by strapping on the helmet of salvation before the fight begins. Which really means this, guys. It means that we lack the necessary knowledge or the necessary revelation of the fullness of our salvation. So let's pull back the curtain on this a little bit. Please don't miss what I'm about to say. Biblically, when it comes to the subject of spiritual warfare, there are three words that we clearly need to understand. Because these three words reveal the strategy or the tactic of the enemy in this particular area. The three words are the following. Number one is the word wiles. Some translations use the word schemes. The second word is the word devices. The third word is deception. Now, the first word wiles simply means this. It means with a road. With a road. Don't miss that word. A singular road. The second one devices means mind games. The third word, deception, means to bait or to deceive with purpose. 
When we put these three words together, we can easily see how the devil's attacks play out in the life of every believer. For starters, his ambush only has one road, one avenue, one lane of attack, one O-ramp, if you will, which is our mind or our thought life. Once he gets past the initial resistance we give him there, that's kind of based on our knowledge and maturity and revelation of the word, uh, he will begin to play mind games with us. That's those fiery darts. Once these mind games are in full swing, once they're swirling freely around in our minds with our emotions fully charged, he baits us with a lie. Once we take the bait by believing or coming into agreement with that lie, which could be about anything. It could be about our marriage. It could be about our kids. It could be about uh, our business, our finances, our health. It can even be about our calling and even our relationship with God. But once we come into agreement with that lie and begin to speak or act on it, if this lie goes unchallenged for a period of time, it is at this point, here's a Another very important word in all this, a stronghold will begin to be established in our lives. It is here that the attack of the enemy begins to grow roots in our minds and it begins to manifest in our lives. You see, the word stronghold is translated by what seems to be two opposing words. It's the word fortress and the word prison. While these two words seem to contradict one another on surface level, they actually perfectly illustrate the outcome of a stronghold in a person's life. Let me explain what I mean by that. We all know that a fortress is a fortified place like a castle that's designed to have extremely thick and extremely high walls to keep outsiders from getting in by breaking through or scaling the walls. In short, the purpose of a fortress is to keep people on the outside. Whereas the purpose of a prison, which is more uh, like a holding tank, is designed to accomplish the exact opposite. Its thick and high walls are designed to keep people known as prisoners on the inside. So with all that said, we've all met good-hearted people, even Christians, who have somewhere along the line taken the bait and believe some lie that allows some unhealthy emotion like fear or anger to build a stronghold in their mind. Because this stronghold wasn't quickly confronted by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God, over a period of time it began to grow into a well-established invisible wall, or we could say fortress, that is now being used to keep people from getting too close to them. Like literally even friends and even loved ones, people they used to be really close to, are kept on the outside at a perceived safe distance from the vulnerable places of their heart. I want you to know today that when this happens in someone's life, the devil has succeeded in isolating them by keeping them far removed from those who could help bring much needed freedom, healing, and emotional health into their lives. And unfortunately, these same walls that kept people from getting in have also become like a personal prison that keeps them from breaking out and becoming all that God has created them to be. They've become a, a prisoner to a lie themselves. When this happens in someone's life, the devil actually succeeds in derailing them from their full potential in God's plan and purposes. Because all of God's plans, as we all know, they're all rooted in truth. So when you step back from all of this, you realize, I mean, all of this has happened because they failed somewhere along the line to put on their helmet of salvation in the day of battle. I want to shift gears here for a moment. If you're sitting here today and you are hearing this and you're thinking, man, that that's me. Can, can I just encourage you for a moment? 
We've all been there at some point in our lives. We've all taken the bait at some point. We've all been gripped by fear before. We've all lacked the confidence that we needed to step out in faith. We've all been weak and insecure. We've all believed we weren't uh, loved or good enough in God's eyes. We've all felt at some point that like we didn't measure up. We've all been angry, depressed, hurt, broken, offended. Fill in your blank, guys, whatever it is. And I promise you, you're not the first or the last person that will ever live in that said fortress or prison. We've all kept people, uh, you know, at what we thought was an emotionally safe distance, and we've all been derailed from our purpose for a season. It just happens, right? But the good news is, is you don't have to stay there. Because when Jesus saved you, He not only saved you spiritually, but He also saved you mentally. You see, the Bible tells us that God the Father has already given us, given you the mind of Christ. And He has made it clear that through the mind of Christ, you were not given a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. You see, it's from that sound mind God enables you to understand the fullness of salvation you have been freely given, which includes these things. It not only includes forgiveness, but healing prosperity, deliverance, safety, freedom, and restoration. In short, it means this, that through salvation, through Jesus Christ, God has brought your total being, spirit, soul, and body into a safe place. I can promise you today that when you grab a hold of that and you begin to grow in that revelation of all that stuff we just talked about, that it'll allow you not only to reclaim the helmet of your salvation, but will also enable you to put that helmet on, tighten it up, get it firmly fitted around your mind so that your control center, so that your thought life will be protected from every attack of the enemy. You see, this protection will help you uh, stop surrendering significant real estate to the enemy in the battlefield of your mind. We've all done that. We've all allowed him to have more room than he needs in our head at some point or another. But here's the deal. The reason that it will help you to quit surrendering that is because your mind will remain in a safe place in spite of what you see and you hear in this world. And I'm here to tell you, we are seeing and we are hearing a lot of things in this world right now. And we need the helmet of salvation to keep our minds safe. Amen. So listen, because when you put on the helmet of salvation, here's just God's truth for you for a moment. When we put on the helmet of salvation, God's word says that we will be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes or the road or the own ramp of the devil that literally will be able to stop it. God's word tells us that we will no longer be ignorant of the devil's devices. Then in other words, we'll know the mind games that he's trying to play with us. We'll be able to discern that it's him and it's not uh, the things this world, it's not God, but we'll know who's behind it. The Bible also tells us that we will no longer take the bait or be deceived because you and I can discern the voice of the enemy and we'll be able to cast down every lie and every vain imagination that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And ultimately this, the Word of God tells us that we will be able to pull down, we'll be able to get free from every stronghold, every wall that currently surrounds us currently in the name of Jesus. Amen. And lastly, the helmet of salvation, the Bible says this, will help our mind to think like a mind that's controlled by the Holy Spirit. Get that, that we not only can, but we will begin to think God's thoughts. 
As we prepare to close today, I want to revisit our key verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, but I actually want to look at what the Passion Translation says, because I believe it will kind of throw a book in on everything we talked about. He says this, he says, embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. Boy, if that doesn't sum it up, I don't know what will. Amen. So if I could have one more verse to that, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. This is the Passion Translation as well. It says this, it says, but since we belong to the day, we must stay alert and clear headed by placing the breastplate of faith and love over our hearts and a helmet of the hope of salvation over our thoughts. Before we pray, I want to ask you a question. Just simply put, today, what kind of helmet do you have on? Do you have the helmet that comes from God's Word, or are you trying to, to carry an imitation or a counterfeit helmet that the world would offer today? Obviously, God's helmet's based off the truth. It's based off the Word of God, where the counterfeit helmet is based off the lies of the enemy. Just remember today that the helmet of God carries weight in our lives, and that weight will keep us grounded. It'll keep us anchored in the truth that we need to live from today. So let's pray, and I simply want to pray that, that God will give you a revelation of the full salvation that He has provided for you through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for every person that's joined us today. Lord, I thank You for their lives. I thank You for the purpose and the plan that You have for them. And Lord, I just ask, God, if they are derailed or if they're behind a stronghold or behind a prison today, God, I pray that every wall would fall down, God, and You'd get them back on track. And Father, as they get back on track, Lord, I ask for a revelation, a full revelation of the fullness of salvation that has been provided for them through Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would not only just know it in our heads, but we would know it in our hearts and we begin to live it out. So Lord, I pray for my friends today, God, that that helmet would be strapped on tight today. And God, I pray, Lord, that they would uh, just be firm in that. And Lord, that the attacks of the enemy, God, would just bounce off, that those fiery darts couldn't get in, but God, that they would live in the truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Have a good one. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless. God bless.